0: Hello there, God bless you, and welcome into the study today. We're so very glad to have you. We're going to be picking it up in Matthew chapter 15, verse 15 here in just a moment. Now, we left off with Christ lining out the Pharisees who came to him and said, Why don't your disciples wash their hands? They don't follow the traditions of the elders. And Christ said, Okay, well, your traditions of your elders tear down the law of God. So who's in worse shape, somebody that don't wash their hands or somebody that's going against the law of God? And that's where we they're, they're just leaving them behind, and that's where we pick it up in verse 15. We ask for clarity and understanding from our Father in Jesus' name. Chapter 15, verse 15. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth, goeth into the belly, and is cast out into the drop. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come, from, come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands defile not a man. What he's saying is, just because you might have a little dirt on your hands and you eat it, it that's going to pass on through your system. All right, no big deal. But if you allow your heart to corrupt, and then through that corruption of your heart, allow that to come out of your mouth, then that brings a curse upon you. Because that's where the evilness comes from these these bad reasonings. Verse twenty one. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. Now this tyre this is about fifty miles from where he's at, and it's up around in, in up up around Canaan. This tyre in the Old Testament or in the Hebrew would be Tyrus. Now why is that important? Tyrus means rock, but it's false rock. This is where Satan kinda has his Hold on. In Ezekiel 28, he's called the prince of Tyres and the king of Tyre. So this is pretty well the Kenite headquarters, if you will. Verse 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan, so not of Israel, but of Canaan, came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. Her not being of, of any of the tribes of Israel still knew who he was. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What is this lost sheep? You see, the ten northern tribes that broke away from Judah and Benjamin were taken into captivity and scattered throughout the world. They are that lost sheep of the house of Israel. So he was coming here first to fulfill the promise to set them free, to give them salvation. But then through his crucifixion, through their rejection of him, he would come and be able to give the world salvation. Verse 25. Then came she and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread, and to cast it to dogs. At this time, the, the Gentiles were known as dogs uh, by the Jews. So that's just an unfortunate thing, but that's what they were called. Verse 27 And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. You see, she knew, she believed. She had all the faith that she needed. And she knew even, she didn't need the full effect. She just needed a little crumb. That's all she needed. And that faith showed through. And you see, Christ, the reason I mentioned this was 50 miles, he traveled this 50 miles up here to meet with this one woman. And now you'll see in verse 29, And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee, and went up into a mountain and sat there. A hundred mile round trip to go and speak with this one woman and her daughter be healed. Now, what that would do is in the Gentile nations begin to start spreading that word, to to begin to start growing that faith. That way when the time came, that seed had been planted. When the time came that salvation would be open to the world, that seed would already be there. All it would need to do is have that that latter rain to germinate and to take off. Verse 29, or we got that, verse 30. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame and blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see. And they glorified the God of Israel. You notice they didn't glorify man. They glorified God for this. Verse 32. Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. Verse 33. And his disciples say unto him, When should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude? Oh, how quick they forget. How quick they begin, you know, I guess their mind just wanders. They forget about this feeding that they've already done. Verse 34. And Jesus said unto him, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven, and a few little fishes. Biblical numeric seven is spiritual completeness. 35. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. Everything in order. You see, he has discipline with everything. They weren't just wandering around, just a big crowd out here that was uncontained. He had everyone to sit down so that they can receive this bread, to receive this instruction. Verse 36. And he took the seven loaves and the fishes and gave thanks and break them and gave to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. Again. Who fed this crowd? The disciples. Christ is that bread, and he gives his disciples that bread, that truth. And it's up to the disciples to go out. It's up to those that understand the truth to go out and to feed the multitudes. Verse 37, And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets full. And they did eat, Earth, and they that did eat were 4,000 men besides women and children. Now, if you count women and children, then, I mean, you're looking at several thousand here. You know, probably just say that you had small families and everything. You're still looking at 8,000 plus that were fed by seven loaves and a few fish. With all these baskets, these seven baskets left over. Verse 39, and he sent away the multitude and took ship and came into the coast of Magdala. Verse 16, the Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered unto them, when it's evening, you say, it'll be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and lowering. Meaning the the fog's kinda setting in, the clouds see the the ceiling of the clouds is starting to drop. And that's where we get our saying red at night, sailor's delight, and red in the morning, sailor's warning. Oh ye hypocrites. And this hypocrites in the Greek is play actors. You just you dress up and play like you're something, you know, but come on. You can discern the face of the sky, but can you not discern the signs of the times? Meaning you should know the word, the prophets. You should understand what has been spoken. You should know that this is the first advent. I am the Messiah. You can read the clouds, but I'm standing right here in front of you. You don't know what time it is? Verse 4, A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given, it unto, shall be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonas or Jonah. And he left them and departed. That being the same sign that he would be in the earth's belly for three nights and three days. Verse 5. And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. As they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Now he just fed this whole these thousands, and here again, they're stuck in the flesh. They're not having these spiritual eyes. They're stuck in the flesh, and you're thinking, oh, man, we're in trouble now. We, did, we didn't bring a loaf of bread so he can eat. We're going to be hungry now. He's mad at us. Verse 8, which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O oh, ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have brought no bread? Do ye not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves? Of the five thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? How is, it, how is it that ye do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that ye should be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then understood they how he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Now, as I mentioned at the, the first feeding, that these baskets were important, it's, that it's because when you have a large gathering, there's going to be some that come in and try to push man's doctrine. If, you, if, if there's a gathering that is actually speaking the true word of God, then there will be some outsiders that try to come in and try to leave these little fragments of bad doctrine, and which was represented by these baskets which were taken up. Now, what is this doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? That's the, the traditions of the elders. Now, where else is this spoken of? Turn with me, if you will, to Ezekiel chapter 8. We're going to get into some of these traditions. Get into some of these elders things. Ezekiel chapter 8. Here we go. I'm going to find it here in a minute. Ezekiel chapter 8, we're going to pick it up in verse 1. And it came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I sat in mine house, and the elders of Judah sat before me, that the hand of the Lord God fell upon me. Now he's in there, they're having, oh man, they're having a a good meeting. He's got the elders right there in front of him, they're coming for advice. Verse 2, then I beheld and lo, a likeness as the appearance of fire from the appearance of his loins even downward fire. And from his loins even upward is the appearance of brightness as the color of amber. That's that consuming fire, that Shekinah glory. Verse 3. And he put forth the form of an hand and took me by a lock of mine head. And the Spirit lifted me up between the earth and the heaven and brought me in the visions of God to Jerusalem. To the door of the inner gate that looketh toward the north. Where was the seat of the image of jealousy, which provoketh to jealousy? Now, if you understand the layout of the temple, if you're looking north, that's where God's throne is. And what is this image of jealousy, which provoketh to jealousy? Exodus 20, Exodus chapter 20, verse 5 tells us, God said, bow down before no image, for I am a jealous God. So it's these, it's false teachings. Eventually, it'll be the image of the Antichrist set up, claiming, showing himself to be Christ. That is what provokes God to jealousy, is following anything besides himself. Verse 4, And behold, the glory of the God of Israel was there, according to the vision that I saw in the plain. Now, you can go back to Ezekiel chapter 1 and and go through that vision. Verse 5, then said he unto me, Son of man, lift up thine eyes now the way toward the north, so look towards the throne. And so I lifted my eyes the way towards the north, and behold, northward at the gate of the altar, the image of jealousy in the entry. There's idols on God's throne here. Verse 6, he said, Furthermore unto me, Son of man, seest thou what they do? Even the great abominations that the house of Israel committeth here. That I should go far off from my sanctuary. So they're in here teaching all these false doctrines. They're not allowing God into his own house. You might say, well, how is that possible? We're just never getting around to really teach the Word of God. Taking a verse here, taking a verse there, never putting any context to it, making it sound real holy and religious, and never really getting around to saying anything. Let's see here. But turn you yet again, and now shalt see greater abomin- abominations. It's going to get worse. Verse 7. And he brought me to the door of the court, and when I looked, behold, a hole in a wall. So they're doing, they're trying to do this, they're trying to hide it. Verse 8. Then said he unto me, Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I had digged in the wall, behold, a door. They're trying to hide this little secret passage back here. Verse 9. And he said unto me, go in and behold the wicked abominations that they do here. So I went in and saw and behold every form of creeping things and abominable beast and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the wall round about. Got all these vain teachings. Got all this stuff that God is just, he, he, it's abominable to him. Hung up right in there in the sanctuary. You might say, well... We don't do that. Not, none of that happens around us. Well, y'all teach that Satan and Eve, that, that Satan cast his seed into the, in the garden, the wicked seed, and it came about through Eve as Cain? Or did Adam and Eve eat an apple? Is there a little apple with a, with a snake hissing next to it hung up on the wall? Verse 11. And there stood before them 70 men of the ancients of the house of Israel. Oh, it looks good. And in the midst of them stood Jezaniah. Jezaniah means "heard of God. He heard something about him. The son of Shaphan, with every man his censer in his hand, and a thick cloud of incense went up. Oh, it looks holy. It looks religious. Man. And, but you got to remember, this is these elders. These are these, are these traditions. Verse 12. Then said he unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark, every man in the chambers of his imagery? For they say, The Lord seeth, seeth us not. The Lord hath forsaken the earth. If you remember Second Peter chapter 3, verse 4, he says there that there will be scoffers come, and they'll say, Oh, it's the same in the beginning as it is in the last days. Nothing's going to change. Nothing's ever going to happen. They've been saying it from the beginning that the Lord's coming, but he's not ever going to come. He's not paying attention to us. We can do what we want to do. Verse 13, he said unto me, turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations that they do. It's even going to get worse than that. Ah. Verse 14, then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north. And behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. Oh, my goodness. Who is this Tammuz? What is this talking about? This is grove worship. In grove worship, th- these were the ancient rites, fertility rites. And you might say, well, we don't practice any fertility rites or anything. Well, that's good. But, you know, some folks chase around little bunnies. They roll eggs. That's what they used to do in these rites. They would roll eggs in the, in the groves. And as a sign of fertility, just as the little bunny is a sign of fertility. And they would chase this around, and instead of worshiping the Passover that God ordained, they went to the traditions of the elders and decided we should roll Easter eggs from the goddess of Ishtar. And it looks so holy, and it it sounds so good, so we'll just change the word here, change the word there, and it'll be all good. No, that's one of these things that's abominable to God. Verse 15, Then said he unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than these. Verse 16, And he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house. I mean, we're right there now. And behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about five and twenty men, with their backs toward the temple of the Lord say what now they had their backs to god and their faces toward the east and they worshiped the sun towards the east well we've never got into sun worship you know some people have sunrise services where they worship the sun when it's coming up that may it may have changed a little here changed a little there but where do you think that got started at verse 17 then he said unto me, "Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Is it a light thing to the house of Judah that they commit the abominations which they commit here? You, it is just funny to them. Do they do they care? For they have filled the land with violence and have returned to pro- to provoke me to anger. They've set here. They spiritually they have slain all these souls by." Bringing them from the truth and putting them into to idol worship, just by twisting a verse here, or maybe maybe switching the context a little here, and oh, it'll be okay if we do this. This looks a little more holy, so let's try this. Let's let's throw this tradition in, and we'll do away with that law. And lo, they put the branch to their nose. This branch is the ashra. Again, this goes back to grove worship. This is. Fertility rights. Verse 18, Therefore will I also deal in fury. My eyes shall not spare, neither will I have pity. And though they cry in mine ears with a loud voice, yet will I not hear them. They're sitting here, they're putting all these traditions of men, these traditions of the elders in here, and just completely making the word of God empty, just void, just removing. Each time a tradition gets put in, It removes part of God's truth. And you wonder why we have a famine of the end times. That it's not a famine for bread, but it's a famine for the true word of God. Now, let's go back to Matthew chapter 16. And we are going to pick it up in verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, or Elijah, and other Jeremiah, which is Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto him, unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Then Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God. That means you are the anointed one. Christ comes from Christos, and it means the anointed one, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. That is Simon Bar-Jonah, that means Simon, son of the dove. And we know the dove is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, or in the Greek, this is Petros. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, why did I point out that his name, Peter, is Petros in the Greek? Because that means rock. So what he's saying is, that rock, that, that spirit that revealed that to you, I will build my church upon that. And hell cannot prevail against it. Verse 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Now let's break that name down. Jesus in the Hebrew is Yeshua. Meaning God's salvation. And the Christ. So God's Savior the anointed one. Verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how they must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. So he's starting to reveal to them look I'm the Passover lamb. I am that lamb that is going to cleanse the world that is going to bring salvation but it's fixing to get rough. So y'all just stand by because it's not going to be pretty. But it was all God's plan. Verse 22, Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord. This shall not be unto thee. Now, naturally, Peter loved Christ. And he didn't want, you know, in the flesh, he was thinking, "Ah, I can't, you know, I'm not going to let that happen to you. I can't let that happen to you. We'll protect you. 23, but he turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. What he's saying is you're letting your flesh get, get control of you. You got to keep your spiritual eye open. You got to see the greater good. Cast, get, your, get your flesh out of the way. Verse 24, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Now, that don't mean go out here and volunteer to get tortured and all that, but what it means is get rid of this world. Don't have your flesh eyes rule over your spiritual eyes. For Christ's sake, get the truth out. And you'll find your life. Search out this truth and you'll find your life. But if you allow this world to overtake you. And you find your life here in, the, in, in this world. Then you won't find that eternal, your eternal life while in this world. Verse 26. For what is a man profiteth if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Nothing. There's nothing that's worth that. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of His Father with His angels, and then He shall reward every man according to His works. Verily I say unto you, there will be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. Now, you know, some folks get real nervous when they think about Judgment Day. What did Christ say right there? He shall reward every man according to his works. Well, if you have good works, you're going to get a good reward. Judgment Day does not mean, oh, everybody's getting condemned. You get judged off of what you do by God, the most righteous judge, because He knows your heart, He knows your mind. If you've tried to do what's right, you get rewarded. If one is evil, well, that, they, they get their just reward. It's not going to be pretty, but they're going to get it. As verse 28, many people, they, they kind of, this has caused so many questions about, okay, so does that mean that the disciples, maybe some of them are still alive? What this is, is whenever Christ was resurrected, in that resurrected body, that showed him taking position in the kingdom, that he ascended to the right hand of God. They saw that. And that's the timestamp on when that happened. That those who he was speaking to were able to see that resurrection before they would ultimately die. Now, I believe that's probably a good a place as any to stop for this study. We will pick it up in chapter 17, verse 1 in the next study. God bless y'all. Y'all have a great day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions that you'd like answered on the podcast, you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, EO Box 1467, Tatum, Texas 75691, or you can email us at questions at humansundergrace.com. Thank you, and God bless you.